from 99.9 The Fan. This is The Drive with Tim Donnelly. Sponsored by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. Are you a fireball whiskey guy? Uh, I, I, I had an incident during the football season with it, so I'm kind of... Ah, question. I've kind of so stayed question. away. Question. Were you hitting the mini bottles, or did you have the actual bottle? Um, I made sure it was the real fireball and not the... Whatever, the whatever, mini whatever it is they sell at the gas station that's not really alcohol. Yeah, so I did not realize this. Uh, this is a story that I saw on NPR today. There's no whiskey in many bottles of Fireball, so customers are suing for fraud. Yeah, it's... Um, why can't I think of it, Joe? What's it called? A malt beverage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so the smaller bottles named Fireball Cinnamon are made from a blend of malt beverage and wine, while the whiskey-based products are called Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey, according to the company website... And those 99-cent bottles are sold in 170,000 stores, including gas stations and grocery stores, prompting some customers to wonder what products were presumed to contain liquor. And the complaints ensued. Once again, Joe, Vanilla Ice was right all along. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. So, no, 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 no. It's Fireball. fireball. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. We didn't tell you anything about whiskey this is about reading comprehension people <laughs> no look at the proof that's the that's the giveaway well it's, the thing is i don't do fireball man no it's fine but it there should also be an alarm bell in your head that says i am currently trying to buy alcohol not at an abc store i yeah. didn't think this was allowed yeah you're right you're yeah <laughs> but yes you can buy <laughs> mad dog or or cisco and that's a malt beverage r.i.p for loco man well, that's a whole different. Yeah, that was a whole different thing. I remember. I remember. If you're not familiar with Four Loco, it was a malt beverage that contained ridiculous amounts of caffeine in it as well, and it it did things to people. But I never tried it. So when they announced that they were shutting it down and I'm going to change the recipe ultimately to get rid of the caffeine, I went over the six and twelve over in Mission Valley. Mm, all I, timer. I got one of each, right? And then I stuck it in the fridge and I just forgot about it after a while. So my brother comes to visit, and he opens up the fridge, and he sees these four locos. He's like, are those the real deal? I go, they are, but dude, I don't know how old they are, and we're not aging these like bourbon barrel-aged stouts, okay? Who knows what's in this crap? It could have gone sour for all I know. So we opened one up. It was sludge, just pure sludge coming out, man. So needless to say, we didn't have it. So all right, so shout out to Chase, by the way. Uh, good yeah, was big time. I love our listeners, man. Chase is the dude. He sent me a DM going, hey, man, haven't you been looking for Buffalo Trace? I go, yeah. He's like, well, I got one. You want me to bring by the station? Just Venmo me some money. I go, dude, you're an OG. Thank you. We appreciate that. But then he says, oh, by the way, I forgot the Buffalo Trace at the house, but on my way to your station, they had Eagle Rare. Do you want just randomly found it? Yeah. So he's like, do you want the Eagle Rare instead? I went, what? You just, oh, just casually finding Eagle Rare. So what I've determined is prime bourbon buying happens when we're on the show. Okay. That's what happens. Or, well, isn't it a Friday delivery or no? Uh, I think it's a Thursday delivery. Okay. Anyway, and shout out to Kevin Keats. He knows. he knows why. He knows why. Maybe we'll get him on the air to explain why I'm giving him a shout out. But he's a collector of sorts, and it's the funniest story ever. But again, we'll have hopefully in the future we'll have Kevin Keats tell us that story, the NC State Basketball coach. To the NFL. 
We got the Eagles and the Niners. We got the Bengals and the Chiefs. Let's start with what I find to be the most intriguing of the matchups, and that's the AFC Championship game between Kansas City and Cincinnati. I don't think I'm speaking crazy here when I say Patrick Mahomes has been on a little bit of a FU tour this year. Oh, you think I need Travis? You know, I need I need the the cheetah. I need Tyree Kill. No. Oh, I'm no longer the y'all on the Josh Allen bandwagon. Okay, got you. Well, cool, whatever. I'm only going to put up another MVP season. I'm only going to show you once again that I am the best quarterback in the NFL. But whoa, 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 whoa. The team that they're facing is the team that absolutely does not fear the Kansas City Chiefs based on previous matchups. They're going for their fourth win in a row. And while there's been a lot of focus on the coolness of Joe Burrow and the offensive line woes, uh, injury woes for the Bengals, it's the defense that I'd be most worried about if I'm the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is when we finally get to have the thesis of your argument for Patrick Mahomes proven or disproven. How important is Tyree Kill to this offense when they're going up against the Bengals? It's alarming to me that Travis Kelsey last week had 17 targets. 17. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that you don't die with your fastball, but that seems disproportionate to the next highest receiver, which was five targets. So the question for the Bengals is can they control Kelsey? The game earlier this year, Kelsey had six catches, 56 yards. You go back to last year, they played twice. Kelsey had a good game against them. Mm-hmm. Um, during the regular season in the playoffs, well, they were able to contain them some. So, to me, it's pretty much that simple. I think that I do think the Chiefs become very one-dimensional without Hill. Over to the 49ers and the Philadelphia Eagles. This is a very, very evenly matched game. And the one thing that we tend to forget is that the Eagles have a pretty good defense, too. Uh, Jalen Hurts and how is his shoulder and everything else? He seems fine. He certainly seemed fine against the New York Giants this past weekend. So the question is going to be, and what everybody's watching, is how is Brock Purdy going to deal with another weekend where the defense is absolutely set to create a bunch of pressure on you? Now, the one thing that the Dallas, that, that the Dallas Cowboys did not do was bring Brock Purdy down. And Brock Purdy was able to get rid of the ball pretty darn quick. Not that he's Dan Marino, but even you've pointed out, Brock Purdy gets rid of that ball super fast. Super fast. And the one thing that the 49ers did, the more I think about it, the more I'm convinced that their game plan was, Brock, get rid of the ball as fast as you possibly can. We'll rely on the yards after catch, which we usually dominate at, and we'll run the ball. Well, It's not, not a ground and pound per se, but we will do ball control, which Kyle Shanahan between the 20s does a pretty good job of. I think they're going to try to do the same thing against the Eagles. The Eagles are going to try to pressure Brock Purdy again. They're going to try to bring him down, which they're slightly better than the Dallas Cowboys at that. But I believe that the Brock Purdy experience will not come to an end this weekend. Eagles led the NFL with 70 sacks. Now, part of that is being, you know, the record that they had and being ahead a lot. But the next closest team was the Chiefs. Same deal. Mm -hmm. Probably had other team throwing a lot with 55. So the Eagles were extraordinary in getting to the quarterback this year. Brock Purdy has shown in in a limited sample size that he doesn't handle pressure well. I mean, newsflash, most most quarterbacks don't. They don't, yeah. So the key for the Niners is going to be staying on schedule. This feels like a a Shanahan-Sirianni battle of wits here, which I would have faith in Shanahan over. But I just feel like, honestly... I thought the Cowboys outplayed the Niners. Mm-hmm. I thought they showed a little bit of a blueprint. 
to how to handle their defense because while the the Niners do have a really strong line, they're not the they're not the fastest linebackers and secondaries that you're ever going to see, and I think that's where Hurts would really have an advantage. This is one of those games too where. This is the in case of emergency break glass. Okay. When you're the quarterback and you're a running quarterback, it is emergency time. It's mm-hmm. time to run. And Jalen Hurts, you can you can figure out how to be a pocket passer when you're fifty. <laughs> Today's the day to run the football <laughs> yeah, and really healthy, use that to your advantage. Yeah, if you're healthy, do your I thing, can't man. stand it when NFL teams try to do that. Well, can't stand it because time and time and time again we see in the postseason quarterbacks not named Tom Brady, the ones that are effective are the ones that can run. Well, why don't you just call the Bills out for that very thing? I did. Their strategy last week of not employing Josh Allen in the snow, heck, run the single wing, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) You mentioned Nick Sirianni and Kyle Shanahan, a battle of wits. Sirianni met with the media this week, and he's hyped for this. He's thinking that the Eagles and Niners are going to be a thing for a few years. Obviously, I don't. I, I think very in the present, right? And I think about this game and and this day, and not think about you know what could happen down down the road. Um, but I know that both teams are built the right way as far as their O line, D line. So I let you guys be the decider if that if this is something that could be going on for years. I know the 49ers, if this is their third out of uh, four years that they've made it to this game, that's pretty darn impressive in my in my opinion. And so um, that, that's a great streak to have. Sure, we'd love to have that, but all we're really focusing on is, is this game at this time and knowing that we're playing a good football team and that we're a good football team. That's Nick Sirianni, Eagles head coach, on this upcoming matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. The Carolina Panthers have a new head coach. He talked to Kristen Balboni of the Panthers on what he thinks about the roster, building a staff, and what's next for the Panthers now that he's here. Next. We'll check in with Bomani Jones. Game Theory, HBO, Season 2, underway. Another episode tonight. We'll see how his reaction, what the reaction to his LeBron James piece and player empowerment uh, how that played this week, and we'll get into some other matters, including this upcoming's this upcoming weekend's NFL action. Speaking of the NFL, the Carolina Panthers have a new head coach, Frank Reich, and Chris Lee, WRL TV Five Newsroom, joins us now on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline to preview what's coming up tonight and this weekend. Chris, what's going on, man? What's going on, guys? How you doing today? So, Frank Reich, in my uh, my initial thought was. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I get it. Veteran coach, offensive-minded. But this is a story that uh, is a little bit layered because of the job Steve Wilkes did and obviously the hiring practices in the NFL as well. So here's another black head coach not getting that opportunity. <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of interesting if you just look at the story in a vacuum in, in like 10 years when we go back and look um, on sports reference and we see the list of head coaches mm-hmm. uh, for the Carolina Panthers. I don't know. Maybe they won't list the interim, but it'll go Matt Rule, Frank Wright. In a vacuum, just looking at that, Panthers made the right hire. But you made, you just said it right there. There's a lot of layers to this. And the fact that uh, the standard is different for black men uh, as coaches and what it is for white men as coaches, the, the Panthers just showed that again right here. Um, I'm not upset with the hire, though. Like He's, he's definitely going to be a good coach, I think, for the Panthers. But what else does Steve Wilkes have to do, right? Because if Frank Wright goes 2-15 and 15 this upcoming season, he's not getting fired. He's yeah. going to be back here in 2024. Yeah. 
Steve Wilkes almost took you to the playoffs and went six and six. And there's an argument he could have been eight and four if it weren't for DJ Moore getting a, a flag for taking his helmet off. And if Dante uh, Jackson and, and uh, JC Horn are healthy uh, for that last Tampa mm-hmm. Bay game, Mike Evans doesn't go off <laughs> because the Panthers had no corners that game. So, um, you know, it's, it, there's, there's a lot to be said about that. I think it's interesting and, and it just kind of more so highlights a lot of the double standards in the NFL. Yeah, no, I'm in agreement with you on that. Uh, we, it's not like we need more examples of the double standards uh, in the NFL. <laughs> we'll probably get another one if Jeff Saturday ends up being the permanent oh, head man. coach of the Indian. I'm going to go off of that. Look, look, man, all I know is that I hope Brian Flores and Steve <laughs> Wilkes are texting each other like, come on, do it. Do it, Jim. <laughs> do it. You know what be interesting, though? Uh, and outside of that, like, Again, this is nothing against Frank Wright because I, I do think the hire. It's a fine. Good. It's a if fine. It hire. It's a fine. If it wasn't going to be still Steve Wilkes. I wanted it to be Frank Wright. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. of course, he was the OC for the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. Who was calling the plays though? Mm-hmm. It was Doug. Peterson. It was Doug. Yeah, it was Doug Peterson. Okay. Uh, we saw Nathaniel Hackett just you know, just got fired from the, the Broncos. Oh, he's the Aaron, he's the Aaron Rodgers whisperer. Come on, Chris. Immediately gets a job with with, with the Jets. But when he was in the, with the Packers, who was calling the plays? It was LaFleur. LaFleur. There's a, there's a guy in Kansas City right now who's been passed over for the last few years. Well, that's ever since Matt Rule was hired. All because why? Andy Reid calls the plays. Come on, he now. doesn't call the plays. Yeah, I know. I and know. and but, so like like what's like what is the difference? And we're looking at the we're looking at it right here. Like and, and again, Frank Reich is going to do an awesome job. But he got a head coaching job after he had a job mm-hmm. where he didn't call the plays. And that's the exact thing that we were told as to why certain other people couldn't get their job. And most importantly to me, Chris, is that Frank Reich doesn't have a job or didn't have a job with the Indianapolis Colts because he, he got the quarterback wrong. I mean, let's not forget he bet on Carson Wentz. And like what most things <laughs> happen when you True. bet on Carson Wentz, you're going to lose. <laughs> So and I get that though they had a relationship, but it tells you like you couldn't see past your relationship to understand that Carson Wentz was not going to be the answer. So that gets us to what I think is the most important aspect of the Carolina Panthers trajectory. I don't care who the coach is. If you keep getting the quarterback wrong, you're gonna be right back here in about three years, three or four years. Yeah. So yeah. they had they have some interesting decisions to make at the quarterback position. Do they draft their next quarterback? Do they stick at nine and see who's there? Do they try to move up to get somebody they actually want? Or do they play the free agency game? Do they have the money for the free agency game? Can they get Jimmy Garoppolo? Can they get Derek Carr? Or is it going to be another bridge QB like, say, Jacoby Brissett, who does a, does a fine job as a backup QB? You're going to need a bridge, uh, but I, I think you need to stop playing around with the draft. Like, you, you passed up on – Mac Jones, you passed up on, you know, there's an argument of whether or not you'd want to have Mac Jones. But I think I'd rather have Mac Jones over Sam Darnold right now. Um, You know, they passed up on Justin Fields. You know, they they could have done other things to get other quarterbacks who are recently available in the draft. Don't mess this up. You have a top 10 pick. If you want to, you know, trade up, you absolutely can. Uh, But you're right. The quarterback position is what absolutely needs to get fixed. And here's another thing, too. You know, I said if you know Frank Wright goes two and fifteen, he still has a job next year, which is true. But honestly, the team is really already there, built for him. Really, the only thing you have to worry about is the quarterback and a few other small pieces here or there. Let Scott Fitterer worry about that. Yeah. Um, if you go less than nine and eight this upcoming season, to me, that's a that's a failure. That's a failure, especially with the way the NFC South is going to look this upcoming season. We're expecting Brady possibly not to be there. 
and you know what moves are the the Falcons and Saints going to make? Are, are the Saints and Falcons going to be extremely better than what they were this year? No. If you're if you're less than nine and eight this year, no, I'm with you. That's on that. a failure. I'm with you on that. So we'll we'll close on this. Our boy, Matt Rule. He was on. <laughs> uh, he was on one of those. I, I can't keep track of all the barstool podcasts. It was a bussing with the boys, right? This is the one. <laughs> this this is the podcast where they do it in a bus. Um, yeah. I. It was Taylor Lewan and somebody else. Yeah, I was going to say, I remember some websites back in the day that would do things on buses, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> hey, now. So, that being said. We're, we're showing our age. We're showing oh, our age. Oh, yeah, right we now. are, man. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so, but, so, so, Matt Rule was on a bus, and he was like, ah, oh, you know, here's what I would say to Cam Newton. Like, he's he is really doing his best to kind of, like, retcon his time with the Panthers. And I've joked about this, and I know Dennis is ready to go. If the 49ers make it to the Super Bowl, who do you think is going to be hitting up Peter Schrager at the NFL Network? Like, yo, where's your radio row spot? We got to talk about Christian McCaffrey. I'm going to take credit. Let's go. Matt Rule's my guy. He's out there. He knows the media game. He's impressive, man. A salute. Salute to Matt Rule, man. He's he's already lobbying right now for when he gets fired from Nebraska in like four years because he didn't make it happen the way he was supposed to make it. Especially when you know USC and UCLA come to the Big Ten, it makes it a little bit tougher for him. Yeah, it's, uh, it's gonna be a little more difficult. Is he's lobbying? He's lobbying right now to have his uh, big time media job uh, at ESPN or Fox Sports or something like that. So that that's gonna be interesting to see. Chris Lee, WRL. All right, man. What do we got coming up tonight? Uh, Casey Hentz live, uh, you know, covering the, the Carolina Hurricanes. They'll be back home for a while. I think like, what, two road games in the next month yeah, or something like yeah. that. And then um, also uh, we have a brand new um, um, Tom Suter Extra Effort Award winner tonight. So you'll see uh, that one at 6 o'clock. Yeah, tell, uh, I should text Casey, the, the, biggest, uh, the biggest part of tonight's Carolina Hurricanes game is that uh, Jacob, my son, will be the starter of the game. He's going to be out there carrying the flag tonight. Very excited about that. Oh, nice. That's awesome. Get that footage. I'm kidding. It's all good. I'll be, I'll be out there like a dad with my phone, like, all right, let's go. All right, man, we'll talk to text, you later. Text Casey. I'm, I'm sure she'll get something. Oh, yeah, no, that has to lead the sportscast. Has to lead the sportscast. All right, man, we'll talk we'll, to you we'll later. Put it in there. We'll put it in there. All right, <laughs> all right man, later. Yeah, Jacob, uh, he's got a uh... – I said no pressure, man. You're pretty good on the skates, but you got to carry a flag out there? No pressure. No pressure. Hopefully he doesn't trip up. That was very Tom O'Brien of you. What's that? Nope. No don't, pressure. Don't trip. No don't pressure. Trip. No not, pressure. You got this. Not a positive thought in his head. Nah, Come on, man. Nah, that's not how I. Uh, You're gonna plant that seed. No, nah, no, nah, that's not how I. Operate. You're gonna be great. You he, got this. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. That's I trust. Still him. not positive. No, he'll be fine. No, 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 no. no. The actually, you know what? The only thing my son really cares about. How's the flow gonna look? Well, I'm sure it'll look really good. That's what he cares about. Yeah. The flow with the lights, that's what he's that's what he's concerned with. So, yeah, I'll be bouncing out of here to go watch that uh, after the show. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. It's the OG. Alongside Joe Giglio, I'm Joe Ovias, and joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, Game Theory, HBO, 
New episode tonight. Bomani Jones joining us now. Bo, what up, man? Hey, man. Doing all right. How about you? I am good, but I, I have to admit, I kind of cracked up with your Seth Meyers appearance this week. <laughs> so the reason why I was kind of chuckling to myself uh, and why you're such a great guest is that you had an opportunity when talking about crypto. Unless I missed it in another clip. I just watched the clip. But you're talking about crypto and what you did on Game Theory last year and how you just called it. You called the crypto crash, right? You didn't you didn't, you didn't bring up his colleague who had his own uh, crypto stuff, you know? Oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> As you're talking this, I was wondering if Seth Myers is sitting here thinking of, th- thinking of himself, yeah, man, Jimmy Fallon was deep, <laughs> deep into the crypto <laughs> Yeah, wow. Let me tell you, it would have been funny if they had called me to be on Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I completely forgot about it right there, too. He's like, hey, Jimmy, you got any more of those bored apes? What's going on, man? Oh, that's right. He was all over that one. Woo. Yeah, he was. I have a Jimmy Fallon story I can't really tell here, but don't let me forget to tell you what I can tell you. All right, <laughs> next next time we talk, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, you'll tell me that story. Although I am curious, so let's let's go back to last week. Uh, with episode one, you did a feature on player empowerment, and you highlighted LeBron James. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm chronically online. I, I took a peek at the mentions and the retweet, the quoted retweets. Le- LeBron fans were not taking kindly to what you had to say about LeBron James. No, you're not allowed to say anything that is remotely critical of LeBron James. The thing is about that piece, and if there's something that I, that I could say that maybe I didn't do a good enough job of with the team, is that it's really less a criticism of LeBron than it is us being so messed up and not understanding what is and is not actual power. Yeah. That we think that just because he's rich and can get a couple of his homeboys jobs, that that actually counts as power in the space that he's in. And so when we got on that LeBron thing after the decision and we started talking about player empowerment, what, the power to take less money? <laughs> What a weird flex, but okay. Yeah, no, look, look, I'm, I'm not saying this because we're friends, but... I thought that came across pretty clearly in episode one. Um, I think yeah, it's I mean, just, I, mean, I, just, just I just, get, I think it's LeBron. Yeah, yeah. I think that, I mean, it probably is just LeBron, right? Like, I'm saying that in defense of those people. I'm yeah. trying to cut them like a measure of slack. But no, like, the thing that's interesting about LeBron is I see the people that, like, fawn over him and also the people that are wildly defensive of him. But the love don't really feel like real anymore from people like that that affection that people have for jordan is real yeah yeah it's kind of like lebron's really famous well some of that's probably playing for one team since the washington years don't count right i mean all of jordan's success came in chicago lebron has done it at different stops now you know yes i think he gets more credit for the cleveland win but it does feel like the the la stuff you know he's not kobe he's not magic he's not one of their favorites and i don't see him winning another title there either yeah like i don't think the la thing worked out like he thought it would now i will tell you this in miami they did in fact love him and in fact they handled it i think very well when he departed um considering everything else but basketball fans more than fans in any other sport uh tend to jump on to a player more than a team not always but even, like, the, the super-duper LeBron fans, when I hear them talk about him, with the exception of my good buddy Nick Wright, I don't hear the affection in their voices that you hear when people talk about Michael Jordan. Hmm. Bo, but true player empowerment, I mean, which would be like a European soccer model, right? I mean, you know why that can't work here. 
No, yeah. Well, the big thing is I just don't think that people get that while these players are wildly rich, the difference between a million and a billion is even more than it sounds like. <laughs> I, that's a great point. I shouldn't say can't work here or why it won't work here. The owners won't allow it. Same why we can't have regulation when we should have regulation, just like they do in European soccer. It sounds like Bo's talking from experience, though. They look for man. sure. I, as I have told you, Mr. Ovi's many times, what I learned from my time in Miami is how rich I was not. <laughs> and that money, man, that's you want to talk about funny money. I don't even think it, I don't think cool. the money comes in the form of green. It might come in another substance if you catch my drift. I was about to say, is it that money isn't even money? No. <laughs> It's white. All right. So uh, do it. Give us a great seg. Speaking of white, the Panthers hired Frank Reich. What did you think of Steve Wilkes not getting the Panthers job, Bo? So it's funny. Um, I can't remember if we recorded it and cut it or if we just decided not to record it last week. Mm -hmm. But when the Sean Payton Panthers news was bouncing around, we did a topic uh, for Game Theory, and I was just like, Oh, so David Tepper just wants to get everybody sued. Like, that's what's going on here. This dude went 6-6 six and six with Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, and P.J. Walker, right, on a team that clearly wasn't going 500 before he took over. Otherwise, Matt Rule wouldn't have got fired. Right. Like, if Matt Rule had gone 500 this year, he doesn't get fired. Wilkes managed to pull this off. Now, if he would have hired Sean Payton, I'm not really saying anything about that, right? Like, no. that's Sean Payton. You don't really have to explain to me why you're hiring Sean Payton. Well, the, you know what you have to explain will. in that case? You know what you have to explain in that case? You have to explain to Panthers fans, hold up, you're giving a division rival a bunch of draft picks to get their old coach? No. Well, that, there is that part, right? Especially when you don't even have a quarterback. No, game. right. I, I do I do think that part is fair. But for Wilkes, like, as it goes yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with the lawsuit. You wouldn't have to explain that if you did that. You kind of have to explain Frank Reich. And not that he's a bad coach, mm-hmm. but, I mean, uh, I am not I a s- proponent of promoting the interim in almost every situation. Mm-hmm. But I would love to be Steve Wilkes' lawyer. That's all I'm saying. Well, what I, I'm, I'm with you on that, and we can sit here and – you know, bless Darren Gant, who did a wonderful piece on Panthers.com highlighting all the ways in which the Panthers have never been good at offense, right? So that and, – and David Tepper's going into the classic trope of, all right, you're going in the opposite direction of the guy that you just fired. We see this in college all the time. We see this in the pros, right? So what I would be curious to find out is the text thread between Brian Flores and Steve Wilkes with what's going on in Indianapolis, where there's like an open revolt of Jim Irsay potentially hiring Jeff Saturday from the fans, but that dude might do it, and I'm guessing the lawyers are going, yeah, Jim, do it, please. (laughs) You know, Flores' thing is interesting because apparently um, he's way up on the list for the Cardinals. Mm -hmm. So he may wind up getting a job, and I mean. I don't think that stops the lawsuit. Oh, no, no. It does not stop the lawsuit. If, okay. If Brian, let me tell you something. If Brian Flores were to get, if he were to get a job and call it bygones, oh, my God, I would. the way I would look at him for that would be so harsh. Oh, that's a whole given episode of Game Theory right there. Yeah, given how hard he went in the beginning, man. Oh, boy. That would have been a thing. But, no, they, they got to be going back and forth like, yo, you can't possibly – believe this now here's something that i think is somewhat ironic and i think that you'll agree with me on this 
if Mr. Jerry still owned the team, I bet he would have hired Steve Wilkes. Think so? Mm-hmm. What makes you say that? Because he, if Jerry Richardson was nothing if not loyal. Yeah, he was. I mean, right, right down to the and, league. It's why they, he kept the shield at the 50-yard line, for heaven's sake. Right. And Wilkes worked there for a long time yep. and did a good job yep. while he was there. And if he had gone 6-6 six and six with what was out there, I got no doubt in my mind that Jerry Richardson ultimately would have hired him. And the reason I find that to be ironic is Tepper is the dude that when he got the job, people were like, oh, he doesn't like Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. I, I know what his get-down is. Yeah, he just hired Frank Wright. That's his get-down. <laughs> but the dude who was rightly lost his team yes. because of his demonstrations of racism and other isms, I absolutely believe would have hired that black dude. That's why moral judgments in these cases are a bad idea. I think you're seeing it. I agree with you because I think we're also seeing it in the way that the city of Charlotte you know, it's it's a, it's another issue locally that's been a problem with David Tepper, right? Um, he kind of wants to make the Panthers in his own image. You know, he's a minority owner in the Steelers. That's what guides him. But there was a move to get rid of keep pounding, right? Like, do you, you really want to get rid of the identity? You, you want to, like, kind of smudge out the Sam Mills legacy? You don't want to do that. So when Wilkes came on, and to your point about his connection to the Panthers, I could see Jerry Richardson doing that. And don't don't be... Like, if you watch any of the social media for the Carolina Panthers and the hire, you notice what they went right to, right? Frank Reich, first quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. They're trying to lean oh, in on that thing connection. I saw was a picture of Frank Reich with Sam Mills. With Sam Mills, right. Yeah. So there, there's an element of, all right, we're not going to do Wilkes, even though he's got those connections, but we are going to give you a guy that can pull on the nostalgia heartstrings uh, with Frank Reich in a Panthers uniform. He's holding up the Panthers jersey because he was their first quarterback. All that. Never mind he stunk, but whatever. It was a, an expansion team. Yeah, I was about to say, it's the second Panthers team that you might get some heartstrings sure, uh, sure. tugged about. The first one, I forgot that team even happened, uh, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Also, isn't there that wild thing where they hired uh, Frank, Frank Reich's daughter? Oh, now I'm ooh. – Sorry, my brain yeah, started going I, to Kerry Collins and smoking cigars. That's where I started. Yeah, going. no, but I think Pro Football Talk had that. That apparently they announced that they also had hired Reich's daughter, which has got to be even more ammunition. Oh, jeez. Well, that gets lawsuit. That gets it to another feature that Bomani Jones has done on Game Theory. I think it was on Game Theory where he talked about nepotism in yep. the NFL. There's there are the people taking your jobs. <laughs> yep, like I say, look, they and they doing it to white folks because <laughs> clearly they ain't gonna give us a job. <laughs> Bomani Jones, Right Time is the podcast. Game Theory, Season 2 is underway. Uh, you got another episode tonight. All right, before we say, we, we say goodbye, what do you got coming up tonight? Oh, well, every time as I put the intro on the essay tonight, I said that every time I want to tell the truth about some black person you like, somebody jumps up to me about what about Brett Favre? Oh, boy. I think so I know. We're going to talk about Brett Favre. Oh, boy. All right. I'm looking forward to this. Got right. a cameo tonight from my homie Deez is nice, by the way. Oh, you, you, you know, you're just not going to have any Counting Crows references tonight? None of that? <laughs> yeah, I have to say Adam Darius was a surprise uh, on uh, episode one. My my celebrity friend that nobody believes is my celebrity friend. <laughs> I will, just can't see it. I will admit, uh, as I was watching the end of it, I was like, is that who I think it is? Yes, <laughs> yes. That, that was what we were going for. At the risk of sounding super white, please tell me you asked him a question about Jennifer Aniston. So I've known Adam for like 10, 12 years, and I have avoided doing that. Oh. <laughs> I'd really like to, I admit. But okay. I All right. One day. Just one day. 
All right. Be intrigued. But Monty Jones, Game Theory. Watch us tonight. All right, man. We'll talk to you later. All right, man. You guys be good. It's the OG alongside Joe Gillio. I'm Joe Obvious. For those who don't know, uh, Adam Durst, Adam Duritz, lead singer, Counting Crows, dated Jennifer Aniston back in the day. You got questions. You got questions. I just want a story. I mean, it could be any story. I'm sure there's a good one. I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. I wonder if you made her a uh, mixtape. Oh, yeah. <laughs>